0: I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. No matter where you are at in your blogging journey, whether you have, I don't know, 50 posts or a thousand posts or more, you definitely want to consider adding, updating old content into your strategy so that you don't lose that cherished traffic that you worked so hard to get by creating the new post to begin with. Brandon Gailey from Rank IQ and the Blogging Millionaire podcast joins me in this episode to talk about why updating your old content is so important. And he gives so many recommendations about how to find the content that you're updating, what to think through when you're updating a recipe post as well as a roundup style post, what you should do with your titles when you're updating, how long to wait after you publish a post before you consider updating and so many other great things inside the episode. This is number 461 and sponsored by the amazing Rank IQ. Food bloggers, are you wanting to tap into additional revenue and improve your site experience for users? Chicory might be a great solution for you. Chicory is a leading monetization platform for food bloggers, enabling you to integrate highly relevant shoppable ads into your recipe content and earn revenue from top CPG brands. Chicory's hyper-contextual ads and shoppable technology will help you improve your site experience and engagement, allowing your readers to go from inspiration to checkout in just a few clicks. Enjoy easy installation and ongoing access to the Chicory team at zero cost to you. Chicory makes it easy to track your earnings, optimize your blog content using recipe insights and connect with its team. Plus with integrations with leading ad networks such as Mediavine and 60 plus retailers, Chicory makes it so simple to get started earning revenue today. Head to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click the Chicory link to get started. Scroll down to the Chicory logo, click the button that says learn more about Chicory Or you can go to chicory.co slash food bloggers to learn more and sign up. That's chicory.co slash food bloggers. Brandon Gailey is an entrepreneur who founded multiple seven-figure businesses in his 20s before becoming disabled by a rare disorder for nearly a decade. He eventually regained his health and started a blog. He grew his blog to over 1 million visitors in just 18 months after his first post. Today, he gets 5 million monthly visitors from over 100,000 first-page Google rankings. Brandon has taught his SEO growth hacks to over 20,000 bloggers through his podcast, the blogging millionaire. He launched IQ, an AI-powered SEO toolset tailored for bloggers and small businesses that have a blog. IQ was ranked number one out of all 333 SEO tools by G2 for customer satisfaction and ease of use. Hello, Brandon. So happy to have you back on eBlog Talk. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back.
0: Yes. Good to have you. And we're going to talk about updating old content today. I know you're a huge proponent of this. And having a blog with a ton of old content myself, I am kind of in the throes of this. So I'm really excited to learn from you today. So I guess to start, would you just want to explain why you feel this is such an important part of each blogger's strategy?
1: Absolutely. Well, to start off with, it takes less time to do an update than it does to create a new blog post. Multiple studies have shown that creating a new blog post takes anywhere from three to six hours. And when you're using a tool like RankIQ, it takes as little as 30 minutes to complete an update. The second thing is that an update, on average, produces more traffic than a new blog post. And let me explain this a little bit further. A new blog post, as it's released, the hit rate for new blog posts is going to be anywhere between 25 to 75% of the posts that actually get significant traffic. And that will that range will depend upon your domain authority, how good of a writer you are, and how disciplined you are going after low competition keywords. Now, when it comes to updates, the only posts that you're going to be updating are the ones that have existing traffic and rankings. So you're going to have a much higher hit rate because Google already loves those posts. The third thing is that an update is typically going to move up the rankings faster than a new post. A brand new post takes anywhere from three to six months to move up to high enough in the rankings to where it starts to get some traffic. Whereas with an update takes as little as four weeks for you to see that first traffic spike. And finally, when you are doing an update, you're going to see an immediate increase in your ad income for that specific post. And that's gonna happen because first, you're gonna be going in there and you're gonna be adding new content. And the more content you have, the more ad impressions you're going to have for that post. In addition, when you're adding that new content, you're gonna look through your existing content and identify if you've got any large paragraphs that you can break up into smaller ones. And if there's any opportunities to add more images to make the, the overall post better, And to just have more opportunities once again for ads. So with the new content, the more paragraphs and more images, as I said, as soon as you hit publish for that update, you're going to start seeing more ad income for that specific post.
0: How do you recommend balancing this? Because for me, it's quite a balancing act trying to decide how much new content to put out versus how much content to update. So what are your recommendations there?
1: Well, in the ten years that I've been blogging, having a podcast, running a course, and and now running a Facebook group for Rank IQ, I've come across two groups of bloggers that actually share their analytics and statistics with me. The first group of bloggers are ones that are struggling and that have reached a plateau. Now, this isn't going to include uh, whether you lose traffic from an algorithm. This is just throughout the year they've reached a point to where their traffic is no longer growing. They're frustrated they're reaching out to the Facebook group or to me asking for advice. And what happens is collectively, when I've taken a look at all their analytics, these bloggers are doing about four new blog posts per month and two of them are in low competition keywords and the other two are in mid-level keywords, but they're not doing any updates throughout the year. And when I look at their, their post in their analytics, their new posts are performing like they're supposed to be. So they're having a decent hit rate. Their traffic is gradually going up. But what's happening is after two or three years, these posts are being outranked by better content that are covering that topic a little bit better. And so what's happening here is what I call the leaky bucket syndrome. So they have a traffic bucket, and they're filling up that traffic bucket as fast as they can with new blog posts but they're neglecting their older blog posts and never doing updates. And those old blog posts are starting to have leaks. So as fast as they fill in the traffic from the new blog posts, they're losing just as much traffic from old blog posts that need to be updated. Now, the second group of bloggers are the ones that are having success. And they're doing a success share with the group or sending an email to me, thanking me for Rank IQ or something that I taught them in my podcast. Now, this group of bloggers on average is doing about eight new blog posts per month and seven of them are on low competition keywords. And the big difference is that they are consistently doing eight updates every single month. So they're not losing traffic with a leaky bucket. So as they're adding new blog posts, their traffic is continuing to creep up month after month, year after year. Now for people that are just getting started with updates, I recommend spending about sixty percent of your time on updates and 40 percent of your time on new blog posts This is going to allow you to get some momentum and most importantly work through all the posts that are currently losing traffic and losing rankings over the last year and then as you get caught up then you can shift to the eight new blog posts and eight updates per month, which is more 70 percent of your time on new blog posts and 30 percent on updates since updates only take 30 minutes to an hour, whereas the new blog posts are going to take three to six hours.
0: Do you have any thoughts about how to identify the posts that need to be updated? How do we know where to start with it?
1: Well, When it comes to identifying posts, I take all my posts and I put them into three groups, level one, level two, and level three. The level one posts are the ones that are actively losing traffic or have lost rankings year over year. And if you're a Google Search Console expert, then you can go in there and work your filters and create a list of your blog posts that are losing traffic. Now, when you go into Google Search Console, you'll want to remember to compare the last three months versus the three that same three-month period a year before so you can include all of your seasonal posts in there. Now, for the ones that are not experts in Google Search Console, you can use Rank IQ's rankings audit tool. It's going to connect to Google Search Console, and it's going to generate a report that shows you all of your level one and level two posts. So we'll list out your level one posts in order of the ones who are losing the most traffic, and you're going to start with those first and work your way through the level one list. When you're finished with the level one list, then you'll move on to the level two list. The level two list is going to be made of made up of all the posts that are currently getting traffic and that traffic is stable or the traffic is going up. Now, the reason why you all update these posts is because Google already loves them and they have existing rankings. And the majority of the time when I'm updating posts or see other people updating, these posts have lots of room to grow. Whether it's making it more comprehensive covering long tails that you might rank eight or nine for where you just have a sentence that you're covering it and then turning it into a paragraph with a with a heading all of these type of updates will allow you to go up the rankings pretty fast now in regards to a question that gets asked a lot with updating these posts that have existing traffic and the traffic's going up is should i update something with a top three ranking Now, when I refer to a top three ranking, I'm not referring to a post having any top three ranking. I'm talking about the top keyword that gets the most traffic, is that average ranking one through three. Now, there's two mindsets with regards to this. The first mindset is to go ahead and update everything regardless of whether the top keyword has a top three ranking. And the philosophy here is that by updating everything, even if you lose a couple of the top three rankings, that collectively you're going to get more traffic than if you skipped all the posts with the top three rankings. And then the other mindset is more conservative and that's to skip the top three rankings. And that's usually deals when someone is, most of their blog income is vital to paying their bills, for example, and they don't want to take any chances. Now, when people ask me, where do I stand on these two mindsets? I always tell them it's a judgment call based upon what you're most comfortable with. The one thing that I do recommend is not to update any post that has a top three ranking and makes up more than 5% of your traffic because this is too risky. A lot of times there are people that may have just been blogging for a couple of of years and they have one or two posts that make up 25% of their traffic. You don't want to mess with those. If they have a top three ranking, you're better off just focusing on all, all the other posts and trying to to diversify your traffic so you're not too heavily weighted on just a couple of posts. Then the final level is level three, and level three are the posts that are not getting traffic. And this is just a basic business principle that you don't want to be spending a lot of time on an asset that isn't giving you anything. And most of the time with these posts, they're not ranking because the keyword is just too competitive and there's no chance they're going to rank for it or the, the intent is not off and there's a commercial intent for the word and they're not Google's not wanting informational blog posts to show up. Now, the exception to this rule is if you have an old blog post from two or three years ago that gets no traffic today, but two or three years ago, it used to get a lot of traffic and have rankings. In that scenario, you would want to take time to, to update it. And one other exception would be if you've invested a lot of money or time in a couple of pillar blog posts, for example, let's say someone has an SEO tips post that was 5,000 words long and it wasn't ranking and they weren't going to have a chance of ever getting a ranking for SEO tips based upon their topical or domain authority of their site. They could identify a longer tailed word that has less competition and shift the content. So for example, they would find out that SEO tips for photographers is 25 times easier to rank for than SEO tips. And they would take that 5,000 words of content and those tips that are there, and they would translate each of those tips into how a photography website would apply them. And then they'd shift the title to be, instead of just SEO tips, to be SEO tips for photographers. But that's how I go about identifying the content that you need to go after first. Level one is is most important, and, and you've always got to stay on top of your level one posts and identify the ones that, are, that have the leaks so that you can make the updates and outrank the people that have pushed you down to the rankings.
0: So this is detailed on your podcast, correct? Do you have a series on this, the updating old blog posts? Is this the same process?
1: The same process is, it's about the same process. The first process, I broke it into four quadrants. Now I just have yeah. three levels. To, okay. to simplify it a little bit better. The first process was a little bit more complicated and the feedback was that some, some people that that weren't really good at analytics had a hard time understanding it. So I simplified it into, into three levels as opposed to four quadrants.
0: So I've gone through your that whole series a handful of times and I've had some pretty big successes because of it. There are a handful of URLs that came up that I just thought, why would i why would I update this? But it showed, you know, there was like significant decay, I think you call it. So I did it anyway. And those posts are doing really well right now. So I updated them in like February of this year, and it's really paying off. So I think it's so worthwhile to go through it if you can. And I was gonna say, I have one question about this because I have almost a thousand posts. So, I mean, there's just no way I can go through all of my decayed posts. So do you have a recommendation for how far to go? <laughs> because I, I mean, I could literally wake up in the morning and do this all day, every day and never be done. So at what point do I stop?
1: Well, number one, you need to be consistent. Just like with, as I said before, the ideal scenario is eight new blog posts, eight updates per month, whatever your, your target is going to be for your updates. You want to consistently do that month in month and year round. Obviously, if you're doing eight updates per year, per month, per year, you're going to be knocking out a hundred or so posts, and it may take you a while to to get to all the level one and level two posts. But that's why your focus is always on level one first. So take care of the level one posts, okay. and on a on a yearly basis. And if you get through all the level ones, then you can move into the level two post. When you, whenever you have a large blog with over a thousand posts. But as as you said, you just that's why it's so important to dedicate that much of your time to updates, yeah. especially once you've been doing it for a long time, because with that many posts, number one, if you just were randomly choosing which ones to update or the ones that you thought were important, you might not be going after the right ones. And you're not as you said, there's no way you're gonna cover them all. And by having using your Google search console or using the rankings audit to get you that list of your level one, level two, so that you know which ones are a priority that will allow you to invest whatever time you have each year into the ones that are going to make the biggest impact in your traffic.
0: And then how often do you recommend redoing the list from Google search console? So I'm pretty comfortable in GSC. So if I have this long list, do I update it, like redo the sheet every quarter or do I just do it yearly?
1: quarterly or yearly are are the, are the two paths to go okay. you definitely don't want to do it monthly. It, there's just that doesn't make much sense because a lot of things aren't going to change because you're when you do the review it's a it's a year versus year for a three month period. and so I think the for people that are getting started and they don't they don't want to be overwhelmed and having to, to redo mm-hmm. identifying which ones are, are doing whatever they're doing, the simplest way is to do it uh, once a year. Create your report. Create your list of what you're going to target. Go through the list. Now, if you uh, get through your your list of your of your all your level ones before the end of the year, you may want to run it again for another quarter to see if there's any other level ones that have shown up that are losing rankings that you need to attend.
0: One year from now, do you want to hear yourself say, "Okay, that was the best investment I could have possibly made in my blogging business"? If so, then the 2024 Mastermind program might be the perfect solution for you. Get 20% off now through November 15th. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind to apply today. Here's Jill, a current member from cookingupmemories.com, talking about a few of the benefits that have come her way from being in the group. One of the coolest things I have found about being in this group is I found blogging kind of lonely before, and it's been really great to have a group of people that really are wanting me to be successful and helping me do that. And my
1: biggest goal was to get on Mediavine and I've done that really about 30 days sooner than what you know my goal was. So it's been really great and I'm so happy to be
0: part of it. And then would you mind talking through updating a recipe post? So kind of like, what do we focus on from top to bottom?
1: Well, if it were five years ago, I would have anybody asking me how to complete an update, I would have referred them to the four modules in my online course that was four hours of video going through all the different things you have to do. The good news today is that you don't have to worry about that with most of the content optimization tools. For example, like with IQ, it has a content optimizer. So all you'll have to do is take your existing old post, plug it into the content optimizer, and that's going to show you all the content gaps based upon what Google's currently ranking and what it deems as most helpful that that you should be covering and from there you're just going to strategically fill those content gaps and some people will will work it into their posts. others will will try to put it towards the end of their post so that they leave their existing posts intact it makes it easier to do the update and it also decreases the chances of changing something towards the front the front end of the post for the first 25 to 50%, which might change the existing flow that got you the rankings. And people will have a section for frequently asked questions and they'll take the content gaps and they will turn each content gap into a QA. and a And that Q&A will, will also be optimized for featured snippets. So the question would be an H3, H4, followed by the answer, which is 40 to 50 words in one paragraph, which is what Google consistently pulls for featured snippets. Just make it simple. Don't make your updates too complex. Just use a content optimization tool, fill the uh, content gaps, and knock it out and just move on to the next one. Don't. It's not as complicated as it used to be.
0: I'm all for simplifying. <laughs> that sounds good. I use that optimizer for that very thing all the time. It's so good for that. Okay, what about uh, Roundup-style posts? I have a lot of these that came up in my content decay that have been slipping just a little bit. So what exactly do I need to update with those?
1: When it comes to Roundup posts, it's a little bit different. You'll want to start by focusing on looking at the first 10 results and the first titles in Google. And specifically, you're going to look at that leading number and try to identify the biggest leading number and then always go 10 further. So it's with a roundup post it's yes you it would be you want to fill content gaps if 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 there's certain types of recipes that Google wants your roundup post to cover. But you have to start with making sure that you are going above and beyond what everyone else is doing. And the reason for that is because people tend to click on the ones with the highest number and that's because of a psychological principle called the left digit bias and it's the same thing if you go to buy a car in the last uh, 30 40 years you always see them advertising $29,999 as opposed to $30,000 because psychologically it makes a big difference with that first left digit if it's lower And and when it comes to your titles when they left digit being the highest left digit they are having a psychological perception that your post is the best post. And that's why they get more clicks and they tend to move up higher in the rankings. Now, when you are adding more to it, let's say you have a post that has uh, 24 recipes in it and you're trying to get it to 50. So you're adding on another 26. The best practice is to add those 26 to the tail end, keep the front end the same. That's going to make it quicker for you to complete your update. But also, as I said earlier, it keeps that that existing post intact because a lot of these posts, when you're updating it, they're already going to have lots of rankings and lots of traffic. And by leaving your existing posts as much intact as possible, it decreases the chance that you could do something wrong to cause people to back out more, which could push it down in the rankings. And then those 26 recipes that you add, you'll just want to make sure that you do a content optimizer report so that. You can identify any specific recipe types or foods that Google is wanting you to to put in that post so that it's the most helpful content for that recipe roundup.
0: And then for those roundups, is it okay to change the name of the title? So if I have like what to serve with sweet potatoes, 50 great ideas, and then I change it to 60 ideas, do I change the actual title of that?
1: Well, the best practice for changing titles when you're doing updates is to you can adjust your front end and tail end modifiers but leave the core the same so if you're for example you've got a carrot cake recipe post carrot cake is going to be the core part of your title now the front end modifiers might be best homemade carrot cake recipe and then your tail end modifier might be in parentheses and then you you put in between the parentheses with video now what i've seen is that a, a lot of Sometimes there's courses out there for, for food bloggers and experts that will say, you don't need to do modifiers, just, just put carrot cake or carrot cake recipe and you'll be fine. But what happens is that the person that has the, the better front-end modifiers and tail-end modifiers, it increases the overall click-through rate. And if everything's the same and, every, and you've got one DA40 site, doing the same posts and another DA40 site, the one with the the better front end and end modifiers almost always outranks it in, in those cases. And I've seen plenty of 800-pound uh, gorillas just with high DA80+, plus, be very lazy with their titles. And then you have the lower DAs be able to not just compete, but outrank them for that. So it's really important, not just on the click-through rate, but because there are going to be people that are are searching homemade carrot cake recipe, not just carrot cake recipe. And when you do a search for homemade carrot cake recipe, your eyes are going to be looking for homemade carrot cake, carrot cake recipe and the click-through rate is even higher. So it's always important that you're trying to make sure the front end and tail end modifiers are maximized for click-through rate. And whenever you are doing a post update, the best practice is to look at that title and and see where it is. Now, obviously, if it, if you've got a leading number, we've talked about that. But at the same time, if you see that uh, you're you don't have any front end modifiers or not having a tail end modifier, and you see other people in that are competing for that ranking using those, then it would make sense to uh, make some adjustments. But as I said, leave your core keyword. That you're, you're you're targeting or your core topic the same, and then make the adjustments in the front of the back end.
0: And then, are there any other changes that you would recommend doing to the post overall when doing an update?
1: Well, the only other thing is it there's not as many food blog posts that that have the year in the tail end, but there are some. Not as not as much as as other niches. If you have posts. That have the current year like 2023 in parentheses at the end of your titles starting in november 1st through december 15th you will want to change that to 2024 and by doing that by being the first to change a lot of times that's going to allow you to push up an easy three or four ranking especially the first page and then you'll be able to maintain that the rest of the year because what happens is when people see 2024 and you're the only one that has it in November and December, they're going to be like, wow, this is, this is the new stuff for 2024. Uh. And that people naturally will click on that. You will move up in the rankings right away because Google will be like, all right, all of a sudden people are clicking on this post more than the other ones. This is more relevant. We're moving it up. And then the other ones won't be able to catch up when they change it in January or February. So always stay on top of those posts, have a, Have a sheet. I mean, the last thing you want is to to have a post up that says uh, 2021 because you just forgot about it. So anything that you're going to put the year in the title, just have a running sheet that that you can stay on top of so that every November 1st through December 15th, those are all in a sheet and you can strategically knock those out so that you don't have something fall through the cracks and have it be the same year for four or five years.
0: Yeah, that would be awful. Do you know of food bloggers who do this? And in what situations? I've never personally put a year in a title, but when do you think this might happen for a food blogger?
1: Anything uh, diet related. So if if food bloggers Mm. are covering diets, those are typically things where they put the, the year so that they can see the most current trends with certain diets.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then this is something I struggle with personally writing a new post and setting it free when do i check back in on it and consider updating it
1: the best practice is always to wait 12 months after you publish a post before you consider updating it and that has to do with just allowing that post to work through the two stages that it goes through to reach its top ranking in google the first stage is in the first three to six months and that's when google is looking at signals like people clicking on your title how long they're staying on their page. If when they get to your page, if they're not pogo sticking, pogo sticking means they go from your page back to the Google results and click on something else for that same search. Now, once that three to six months period's up, you're gonna have kind of a peak for that. And then you'll have another six months where Google's gonna be looking at how many backlinks are coming in, which will have another push towards the top. And there was a study by Ahrefs a couple years ago that said just by having a top 10 ranking, that these sites with a top 10 ranking will get anywhere from eight to 15 passive backlinks year round and that happens a lot with the single post recipes and because the people that are looking for roundup posts to link to they a lot of them will just do google searches uh looking for different recipes to feature in the roundup and then once they and they're not going to go past the first ten once they see something they like they'll reach out to that that blogger and and get them in the roundup and so it's important that everyone understands that
0: do you have any recommendations for keeping track of this because it can be a lot especially if you're pumping out a lot of new content do you recommend like a sheet or some sort of system for not letting things fall through the cracks
1: or updating posts that have been 12 months old yeah yeah just would just keep an eye on your when you're using a planner whether you're using a planner through Rank IQ or or through a Google sheet or some other source just uh, be able to identify at the when that 12 month period is over by because everything's going to be ranked in order in that planner and that's an easy way to see the posts that are coming in and out
0: yeah okay and then with everything that we're talking about, I know that Rank IQ is a really good solution for all of this. Can you talk about how updating your old content and Rank IQ kind of play together?
1: Well, before I talk about that since we just launched a new feature on Rank IQ for the goal setting and the goal, goals dashboard, I want to point out the the importance of of making sure that you everyone holds himself accountable for their updates because if you don't hold yourself accountable then nothing's going to change and those updates are going to fall through the cracks and from everything that I've learned from blogging and from studying goal setting having a what's called a 3 month moving content goal has the biggest impact on the produ- production of bloggers not just for updates but for new blog posts too and a 3 month moving content goal is essentially looking at your monthly new post goal and your monthly update goal and you're looking at this month where you're at what you did last month and where you're at so far for next month and that that allows you every month you're looking at this three-month goal so you can see exactly where you are and what you need to do to be able to hit your 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 new post goal and your update goal now especially with times like with the helpful content update for example If if your goals are are focused entirely on how much money you make and how much traffic you get and not on content production, when an update happens and you lose traffic, it's going to make you want to quit. If your focus on your goals is on what you have control of, which is how many new posts you make and how many updates you make, even when updates happen and you lose a little bit, you're not going to be impacted psychologically by those type of hits. Now, for anyone that is not sold on the importance of goals, I always point them to the Harvard MBA Goal Study, which was between 1979 and 1989. In 1979, researchers asked all the graduates that were graduating Harvard with an MBA if they had written down their goals and they had a plan to achieve them. Out of all the ones they asked, there were just 3% that had written down their goals with a plan to achieve them. And 97% did not. 10 years later, the researchers went back to these same people and found out how much they were earning. The 3% that had written down their goals with a plan were out earning the 97% by 10 times. So it's really important that you, your, your goals are front and center specifically that three month moving content goal. And Five months ago, I sat down with my development team at RankIQ and worked with them to create a content planner that worked with the goals dashboard. So now when someone logs into rank IQ, the first thing they see is their goal scoreboard showing them where they what they did last month, where they are this month, and where they are so far for next month. And everything's tied with their content planner. So when they update their content planner that they completed an update or a new blog post their scoreboard for their goals change. And if you're not using rank IQ, then what I recommend is that every day before you sit down to start blogging, you pull out your three month moving content goals and you look at them to see where you're at. And then at the end of every day, when you're done with your blog, you're going to update that and, and celebrate when you are, 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 have had a day of doing two updates or, or one blog post because this is going to allow you to stay consistent year round and not not just have, as I said, your, your vision board or your traffic goals uh, pinned away somewhere on your wall that you'll eventually just stop looking at. So always mm-hmm. be very intentional of looking at it every single day before you start your blogging process.
0: I love that you guys have built that into the tool. I, I've seen that, but I haven't utilized it yet. But I'm definitely going to now.
1: Yeah, it's 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 powerful. There's, I was really impressed with how many. I know you you're not using it, but there's a a high percentage of out of all the tools we released, that was one of the ones that had ah. just kind of an, an immediate usage and, oh. and people getting involved with it right away.
0: That's great. Good.
1: And then to answer your question about. Rank IQ and how it's, I guess, kind of the easy button for everything. The main reason why it's the easy button is because it's the only tool set tailored for bloggers, where most of the other SEO tool sets are designed for SEO experts and marketing professionals of Fortune 5000 companies. Now, a lot of the people that initially come to Rank IQ and join, join because of the keyword library and the fact they hear that we've got. We've already done the keyword research and we've identified lowest competition, highest traffic phrases for all the different uh, blogging niches. For example, with the food blogging niche, there's over 120,000 low, low competition words in our library and then it's broken down by all the sub niches of the food so people can just go into their sub niche that they're writing about, identify what keywords they're going to target, put it in their planner and go. Now, the big powerful thing about rank IQ. Is even though they may come here for the keywords, once they get there, they realize that everything is in one space. And before becoming a Rank IQ member, a lot of people would have, they'd be using a keyword tool with one company, a content optimization tool with another company. They'd have a Google Sheet for their planner. They'd have their goals written down somewhere on their their desk, and they'd check Google Search Console once or twice a month to see what their rankings is and everything's just kind of displaced and you'll end up forgetting about things. But now with rank IQ, everything's under one one spots where they're able to log in, see everything. And then also everything communicates with, with each other. Now I could go on talking about all of our tools and how great they are and how much I love them and all the benefits. But I think what tells the story most are the statistics and this summer, we just finished a one-year study of 2,300 uh, food bloggers that use MediaVine, and we found that the MediaVine food bloggers using RankIQ increased their traffic 4.68 times more than the MediaVine bloggers not using RankIQ. And this was big because it was MediaVine bloggers, and we also did another one on on AdThrive Raptive bloggers, and we saw the same results. and these type of bloggers they if they're not using Rank IQ, they're always using some other type of keyword research tool, content optimization tool. So it's not just bloggers as a whole, mm, yeah. then you're just looking at Rank IQ bloggers and of course they're going to have better results than your average blogger that may not be using any tool. But having these statistics just show that how much more traffic that they're they're getting, I, I think tells the whole story and anyone that wants to see the results of of this city. Go to rankiq.com. It's on the homepage.
0: Rank IQ literally changed the trajectory of my blog. I was stale, stagnant for many years. And since starting it a couple of years ago, I mean, it's just been going up, up, up. So I can attest to everything that you're saying to Brandon. And thank you for putting out such a great tool for us. I talked to so many bloggers who love it and use it regularly. And it's just, yeah, it's an amazing game changer for us.
1: Well, thanks so much for your feedback and and for being a user.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you feel like we should touch on before we say goodbye about updating old content?
1: No, I think we've covered it all today.
0: Great. Well, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I love the topic, of course.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And we'll put together show notes for you, Brandon. If you want to go look at those, you can head to eblogtalk.com forward slash rank IQ two, numeral two. Tell everyone where they can find you. Mention your podcast and anything else you want to direct people to. Oh,
1: RankIQ.com is where the software is. And if you're a RankIQ member, you will be involved with the Facebook group. I'm always very active there. And in addition to that, I have the Blogging Millionaire podcast. And that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. And thank you so much for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.